Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. All right, so today, this morning service, and then tonight at 5 p.m., I want to talk to you on the subject of divine healing. Now, I want to start in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 59, and I want to do this because this is one of the big hindrances to people receiving healing, right? In Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, the Lord says, Behold, the Lord's hand isn't shortened that he can't save, nor is ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that you cannot hear. Um, The Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. And that's what he does. He comes to condemn you. He comes to point out everything you've done wrong, every wrong thought that you've had, every wrong motive that you've had, any wrong thing that's ever happened to you. The devil is telling you, you do not qualify. However, It's in the Old Testament. Everybody say old. Because it's old. And it's worn out. And it's been replaced with a new covenant. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All these things are from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. And God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. Now listen carefully. For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them. In the Old Testament, God counted your sins against you. You say, why? Because they hadn't been paid for. But you know what Jesus did at the cross? He paid for your sin. And in a real sense, Jesus took your hand and put it in the Father's hand at the cross, right? So God was in Christ restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message that he's given us to tell others. Now, unfortunately, many people have gone to church and they've never heard that wonderful message, right? (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes there are churches you go to, all right? And I don't know, Jesus said to feed the sheep, but they think they're supposed to beat the sheep. And, 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 And the message that you hear is not that God is not holding your sins against you. Not that those sins have been blotted out. Not that Jesus became sin for you, that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So in the Old Testament, God held people's sins against them. In the New Testament, God does not hold your sins against you because they have been paid for. And I want you to notice what it says. He was restoring the world to himself. God initiated this. That's what's different about Christianity than any religion. Religion is man-initiated, where Christianity is God-initiated. God took the initiative. 
He looked at you and he looked at me and he said, they can't, there's nothing they could do. So I'm gonna do it for them. Right? So there is this huge difference between the Old and the New Testament. So the Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. He says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. Now listen, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, you, you can preach from the Old Testament, but it's gotta be in light of what's happened in the New Testament because everything changed when Jesus came, all right? So you've gotta divide it. Now, as a New Testament believer, what you and I need to do is we need to spend our time in the New Testament. That's the part that tells us what Jesus has done for us. That's the part that tells us what belongs to us today. That's the part that tells us who we are in Christ, right? So we need to spend our time in the New Testament and we need to recognize that when Jesus came and he paid for sin, everything changed. Everything changed. God is no longer holding men's sins against them, right? So today, um, we need to look at Jesus. In Hebrews chapter one, it says th this in verse one, it says, who at various times and in various ways spoke in the past to the fathers by the prophets. In the past, the Old Testament, right? Has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So people wonder, what's God like? The Bible tells us right here, Jesus shows us what God's like. He's the express image of his person. One, one, one translation says it's the way, he is a mirror reflection. So you wanna know what God would do? Look at Jesus. He is showing us exactly what God would do. Showing us uh, the, the, the exact representation. Here's what a lot of people do. They think, you know, I, I kinda, I, I like Jesus, but God the Father, he's up in heaven and he's mad. And he's bad and he's waiting for you to step out of line and he'll get you. But that is not true. And Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. He is perfect theology. Now, I, I, when it comes to the subject of healing, the number one thing that you have to know and believe is that God wants you well, that God wants you to be healed. You need to know that, right? Um, grace is what God has done for you. But the way you receive what God has done for you is through faith. So your faith doesn't make God do anything. God's already done everything in Christ. So grace provides and faith receives what has been provided. Uh, your faith cannot make God do anything. Your faith can only receive what God has already done through grace, in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. In Matthew chapter four, 
in verse 23. It says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments in those who were demon-possessed, epileptic, paralytics, and he healed them. You know, 17 times in the Gospels, we see Jesus healed everybody. He healed them all, 17 different times. But he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing. When Jesus sent out the 12, when he sent out the 70, when he sent out the church, every single time that he told them, go and preach the kingdom, he said, and heal the sick. Because healing the sick is part of the kingdom. It's part of what belongs to you. Now, in James chapter four and verse seven, it says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. First Peter five in verse eight, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Verse nine, resist him steadfast in the faith. Now, to resist means to actively fight against. Actively fight against. If you believe that God sent sickness to you, you can't actively stand against it. You've got to understand that sickness does not come from God. That healing is God's will for you. And then you can fight the good fight of faith. Then you can stand and you can resist. But you cannot be passive and just say, well, Lord, you know, whatever you want, your will be done. Right? Let me just say something. When it comes to healing and you pray, say, Lord, heal him if it be thy will. That's just a chicken prayer. That is a chicken prayer. Right? Because then you're just like, well, you know, no matter what, it's all right. right? But you've got to actively fight against. You have to resist. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Now, that does not mean that sickness is a demon, right? All sickness is not a demon. But it does mean that sickness came into the world when Satan brought sin and sickness and death and war, and famine, and pestilence, and prejudice, and every other evil thing that you can think of. So Jesus healed all who were oppressed of who? The devil, not God, not God. Now, I've had people say to me, but I believe that God sent this to me. Well, then you're never going to resist. And, 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 and I really, when you look at how we live uh, that's theology you don't live by. Because if you believe God sent it, you'd never go to a doctor to get rid of it. In fact, if you believe God sent it, you said, should say, God, send me some more. And how about helping all my friends with some? Right? But the truth is, everybody understands that it's not a blessing. Right? If you look at your Bible, right? in Deuteronomy chapter 28, sickness is called a curse. In Job chapter 42, it says that when God, then God turned the captivity of Job, 
It's called captivity. Here it's called bondage. Right? Excuse me, it's called oppression here in Acts 10.38. And then in uh, Luke, Jesus said, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound? Called bondage. Right? Not a blessing. No place in sickness in, in the Bible is sickness ever referred to as a blessing. So Jesus went about doing good healing. Now remember, he is the exact expression of God's person. He is a mirror image of God the Father, right? Jesus went about healing because God the Father is a healer. His name is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. In 3 John verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray, other translations, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So you've got to know Believe in your heart. God wants me well. God has not sent this sickness to punish me. He hasn't sent this sickness to teach me. No, God was in Christ restoring the world to himself, no longer counting or holding your sins against you. But the accuser of the brethren, the devil, he'll tell you you deserve it. And God's not going to answer your prayers and God's not going to heal you because of this or because of that. That's what the devil does, all right? Now, in James chapter one and verse six, it says, but him ask, let him ask in faith with no doubting, but he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord, for a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, right? Now, everything God did for us, he did by grace. That means you and I did not deserve it. But we receive it through faith. Faith is largely dependent on knowledge. You cannot have faith for something that you don't know anything about. Right? Now, notice the Bible says not to be double-minded. Right? You've got to be singly-minded. Right? And this is what happens so often. Uh, we, we get double-minded. Uh, the doctor says, hey, you have this disease. And uh, you Google it, and you find everything you can about it, and you know all about that thing, right? And then you're trying to get healed, right? What you need to do is not find out about all the disease. You need to find out everything about your healer. You need to find everything about healing, right? The Bible says back in Joshua 1, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. You, you, can't, you, you can't have your mind going in two different directions. Um, usually the hardest people to get to receive healing are people that work in the medical profession because their mind is so full of everything about the disease and not full of everything about the healer. Right? But you can't be double-minded. You've got to be of single mind. Jesus is the very expression of God's essence. And the translation says, the exact image of his nature. What God's nature? He is a healer, right? Jesus gave his disciples authority over sickness. Now, we are his disciples today. In Matthew 28, he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, making disciples of all nations, right? We're to be disciples, right? Not just converts, 
Not just Christians, but disciples, right? So what Jesus did to those disciples, he did for us as well. And in Luke chapter 10, he said, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt or harm you. Jesus gave his disciples authority over all the power of the enemy. And sickness is a power of the enemy. And Jesus gave you authority, but you've got to use your authority. You gotta talk to that thing. Remember Jesus said, verily I say unto you that whosoever will say to this mountain. You say, you need to say to something to that sickness. You need to say sickness, you cannot stay in my body. I curse you in Jesus' name. I command you to die and leave my body now and never come back in Jesus' name. You gotta speak to it. You gotta actively resist, right? Actively resist. He gave you authority. How was that authority used or expressed? By the words of your mouth. You have got to actively resist every work of the enemy. In Matthew 10, he calls his disciples together, gives them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of disease and sickness and all kinds of disease. In verse seven, he said, go and preach the kingdom of God is at hand and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the head dead, cast out demons. You know, the kingdom of God and healing go together. They go together. Now, in James, it tells us, is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick. Right? The word save, there's the word sozo. Right? It means salvation, but it means healing. It means safety. It means deliverance. It means preservation. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise him up. Now, what we typically want is we want a miracle. Instantaneous. And it happens. Right? It does happen. However, most of the time, it's a process. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Again, it implies a process. So what we have to do during the process is we've got to keep the switch of faith turned on. We've got to actively resist. Right? Keep that switch of faith turned on. Right? Healing is by grace, as everything else is. Ephesians 2.8. By grace, you've been saved. Now, grace is what you don't deserve that God has done for you, right? So you are saved, sozoed, again, saved, healed, delivered, kept safe, preserved, right? By grace. It's all by grace. By grace, you have been sozoed through faith, through faith. So grace is what God's done, and grace is, excuse me, and faith is how you receive it. But grace is what you don't deserve, not what you do deserve, which is one of the reasons why very often we see people who just become Christians, and they, they, they pray, and they see their, their prayers answers, they see healings, they see things like that, and it's because they understand it's by grace. They know they don't deserve it, right? 
But I've had people come and say something like this. Well, pastor, why won't God heal me? I pray, I go to church, I tithe, I sing in the choir, and I work in children's church. Why won't God heal me? Because you're trying to earn it. That's why. Because you don't get it because you earn it. The Bible says, not by works, least anyone could boast. It's not because you deserve it. It's because of grace. It's because of what he has done that you and I do not deserve. Right? So he heals us by grace through faith, not of works. It's not because of all the good things that you've done. It's because of how wonderful he is. But we believe it and receive it. In Romans chapter 1, the Bible says this in the 16th verse, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, the gospel, is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the gospel is the power of God to salvation, sozo, right? To salvation. A lot of times people think that their good works qualifies them, but it doesn't. You're giving, you're sacrificing, you're praying, you're fasting, right? None of that, it is the gospel, right? That is the power of God. So literally, when you believe the message of the gospel, the power of the event becomes available to you. When you believe the message, the power of the event becomes available. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Sozo, to everyone who believes. Dr. Schofield says this, Romans 1, 16. The Hebrew and Greek words of salvation imply the ideas of deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. Salvation is the great inclusive word of the gospel, gathering into itself all the redemptive acts and processes, justification, redemption, grace, propitiation, imputation, forgiveness, sanctification, and glorification. So what does that mean? It means the gospel is the power. Right? When you believe the gospel, that's the power of God. What Jesus did for you in his death, burial, and resurrection, that is the gospel. Right? So Romans Chapter 3, verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Everything we receive from God is not because we work for it. It's all by grace. In fact, the Jewish people, Paul goes on and says, they're, they're trying to earn it. They're trying to do all the right things. He says, they're, they're very, they've got a lot of zeal. He said, but it's not according to knowledge. Right? The knowledge is that it's the gospel. It is the gospel. Now, Ephesians 3 in verse 20. I think most of us know this by heart. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. Now, unfortunately, that's where usually we stop reading the verse. Right? But the rest of it is where the power is according to the power that works in us, okay? Now, listen, it's his power. It's not your power. 
It's not my power, it's his power. But it's at work in who? In us, right? So he does exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that's at work in us. Now look at verse 21. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. It's to how many generations? All generations forever and ever. Here's what many of us have been told. Well, yeah, in the Bible, God did that. But when the last apostle died, he stopped. Or when we got the Bible, God stopped. And God used to do that, but God's not doing that anymore. But the Bible says very clearly, it's to all generations forever and ever. The, the apostle Jude is, is addressing the same thing. And in the third verse of his short epistle, he says this. He says, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. Not after 100 years the apostle died and God stops doing miracles. Not once the Bible shows up, all of a sudden God's not gonna do any more miracles anymore. No, 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 no. It was delivered once for all. So what you find in your Bible, in the book of Acts, what you find in Romans and in Corinthians, what you find in your New Testament, that is what was delivered to the saints. That was for the first century, but that was for the fifth century, and that was for the 10th century, and that was for the 15th century, and it was for the 20th century, and the 21st century, and the 22nd century. That's for us until Jesus comes back again. It was delivered once for all. Once for all. Luke chapter 13 and verse 10. Now he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Now in this particular case, if a medical doctor had examined her, she's bent. He might've said she had curvature of the spine. But the reason for the curvature of the spine was a spirit, a demonic spirit. The Bible refers to as a spirit of infirmity. Now, this type of a spirit will cause a problem. And if it's dealt with, the problem's dealt with, it just moves over and brings something else. And if that's dealt with, it comes back and it brings something else. It's a spirit of infirmity, right? But when Jesus saw her, he called her to himself and said, woman, you're loosed of your infirmity. He laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the, of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and said to the crowd, there's six days in which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered and, to him and said, hypocrite, doesn't each one of you on the Sabbath loose his donkey or excuse his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, who bound her? Whom Satan has bound, think of it, 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. Now, Jesus brings out the fact that this sickness is not from God. Satan has bound. But the reason that Jesus said healing was for her was because she was a daughter of Abraham. Part of the Abrahamic covenant includes healing. Right? Now, in Galatians 3, in verse 29, 
This is what it says. If you be Christ, how many are? Then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The same reason that she was healed is the reason you should be healed. Because she was a daughter of Abraham, but you're a daughter of Abraham. You're a son of Abraham. Healing belonged to her. It belongs to you. It was her rightful possession. It's your rightful possession. She ought to be free. She ought to be loosed. You ought to be free. You ought to be loosed. You ought to be healed. If you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. One more, one more scripture. Uh, Jesus actually heals in your Bible 17 times entire multitudes, but 19 times there's individual cases, just one person. And, and these cases, um, I believe, were selected by the Holy Spirit to teach us lessons about healing. And we find one of them in Matthew chapter 8. And when he, Jesus, had come down from the mountain, the great multitude followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshiped him, saying, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Do you know that is where most of the church is today? Most people say, I know you can. I know you can do it but I just don't know if you want to. Yeah. This, this man represents everybody who thinks that way. I know, I know God could heal me, but I just don't know if he wants to. Yeah. So Jesus answered, and he put out his hand, and he touched him saying, I am willing. Everybody who's got the question, does God really want to heal me? I know he could. But I just don't know if he wants to. Here's the answer. I am willing. Be clean. One translation says it like this. It's my favorite. Jesus said, of course I will. Of course I will. See, because God's not holding your sins against you. He's blotted them out. His message is, I love you. His message is, I've redeemed you, right? I've done everything by grace. And all God wants us to do is to believe him and to receive it. All right. Say, I'm going to ask everybody, well, every, yeah, everybody stand for just a moment, please. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10, this is what it says. It says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, here's what this means. That means that the testimony of what Jesus has done is a prophecy of what he wants to do. Right? So when you find out what Jesus has done, you see a testimony of what Jesus has done, it's a prophecy of what he wants to do. In fact, here's, what, here's, here's the fact. When there is a testimony, it releases an anointing Right? to do the same thing, to do the same thing. In fact, the, 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 the word testimony, its root actually means to do again. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org 
follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.